some stones saw the skin and bones of a city without a soul I stopped outside a church house where the citizens like to sit they say they want the kingdom but they don't want God in it yeah I went with nothing nothing but the thought of you I went wandering Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets biblical Christianity face-to-face. And I'm your host, Sean McCraney. If you have family or friends who can't watch the program on television, have them go to www.hotm.tv. They can watch it from anywhere in the world. How does the Lord work? He works wonderfully. It started out with a roadside conversion, a book, a website, a lot of resistance. He added a television program, which aired originally only on broadcast TV, Uh, A sister station in Boise picked up the program. He added Cable Dish, DirecTV, expanding our audience all over the state of Utah. All the programs were then made available through the Internet Archives. A brother in Norway, Andrew, by his own volition and love for the Lord and ministry, uh, started putting clips of Heart of the Matter on YouTube. There's over 500 of those now, and they're seen by tens of thousands of people all over the world. God added streaming video, which adds even more people who can watch the program throughout the world. And it started by changing the heart of one person just like you. We praise and thank God and Him alone for leading in ways when we were so ignorant and fallen. Uh, We thank Him for uh, filling in in every area of our life in this ministry. For two years now, we have held a Bible study on Sundays, Calvary Campus, Um, Come and join us, a non-religious perspective, meaning never denominational. Attend your uh, respective churches in the mornings or whatever, but we meet at the University of Utah on Sunday afternoons, and we meet at uh, Utah State on Sunday afternoons. Go to www.calvarycampus.com for more information, times, etc. I was a born-again Mormon is available uh, for all free through downloadable PDF. Go to bornagainmormon.com, and you can have the book in your hands within minutes. You know, our objective has never been to sell those books, but to get them in people's hands, primarily LDS people, uh, to read about how the Lord changes lives through spiritual rebirth. We hope you'll take the time to read it and share it with your family or friends. Again, we're really excited about this upcoming year. I keep mentioning it, 2010, because we're going to go, all things considered, through the Bible and talk about Uh, how the LDS use the Bible to support their doctrines, but how what the Bible really says. Quickly, I'm going to try to read them. Beginning in January, we're going to start Adam and Eve, apostasy, apostles, baptism, baptism for the dead, the Bible, being born again, the church, church government, the cross, David, divorce, Elijah, faith, the fall, families, the flood, Garden of Eden, genealogy, Gethsemane, God, grace, heaven, hell, high priest, Jesus, 
Joseph, justification, knowing the law, love, marriage, Mount of Transfiguration, ordinances, paradise, uh, polygamy, priesthood one, priesthood two, preexistence, uh, prophecy, prophets, race, restoration, Sabbath day, temples, tithing, trinity, the two sticks, virgin birth, weak things of the world, word of wisdom, and works. So uh, stay tuned for that to occur beginning in 2010. How much of Jesus is enough to make a religion or a person Christian? Years ago, I gave this example on the program. I thought we'd do, do it again tonight. Imagine, for ex uh, example, that this sugar right here, that this represents Christianity, 100% pure Christianity. Sweet as it can get, Jesus himself would say this is Christianity through and through. And if we take that cup and then we add uh, about the same amount of water to it, we're going to have a mixture and uh, it's going to be diluted a little bit. And this might represent Christianity in the hands of men and women today. Pastors who are fallible, teachers who make mistakes, men and women. And, but and nevertheless, this mixture would be very, very sweet. I think you could still consider it um, Christianity. Uh, and, and it would be his form, letting men and women lead the church. Uh, but what if we took this amount and then we poured it into a bucket of water? Would it still be Christianity, at least Christianity, that God would say, well, that's acceptable to me? Or would you be able to taste the sugar? Would that bucket of water be as sweet? And then supposing uh, that we took this and we poured it into a swimming pool. Could we pour it in the swimming pool and then could you dive down to the deep end and suck in a little mouthful of water and taste this Christianity in that swimming pool? Or would it be so diluted you couldn't? And then imagine we go in and we poured this in the Pacific Ocean. And somebody 26 miles off the shore near Catalina scoops up some salt water. Could they taste the sweetness of Christianity in that? The point is, how deluded does Christianity in its original form need to be before it ceases to be uh, Christianity? In the cup, in the bucket, in the swimming pool, in the Pacific Ocean? Uh, the Rastafarians believe Jesus was a successor to Moses and then to Elijah, that he was a, the third great avatar. Avatar means teacher. The, is Rastafarianism an acceptable version of Christianity? The Hare Krishnas believe Jesus was the son of Krishna and that he was a human manifestation of Hindu deity. Is Hinduism Christianity? Uh, enough sugar or no? Uh, Buddhists believe Jesus was a highly evolved avatar as well and that the impersonal god Brahman actually inhabited his body. Are Buddhists Christian too? Um, Muslims say Jesus was a great prophet but not as great as Muhammad. How about Muslims? The Baha'i teach Jesus was one of nine divine manifestations. Raelians teach Jesus was a messenger from extraterrestrial beings. And New Agers believe the man Jesus was filled with the cosmic Christ consciousness. Listen, if any or all of those religions could be considered Christian because they include Jesus in their teachings in a respectable way, take the Bible and throw it away. It means nothing. It has no purpose at all. 
because all those religions and their teachings are counter to what the Bible says Christianity and Christians are. Do you understand that? Christianity teaches that Jesus was the co is co-equal with God the Father. He became God incarnate so as to save mankind from their sin by the shedding of his blood, that he created all things, not just some things, but all things. And believing on him, we are saved from sin by his grace alone. This is biblical Christianity. Every other dilution is exactly that, a counterfeit. It's a bastardization of what true Christianity is. Mormonism teaches that Jesus is a God, the literal first spirit creation of God the Father and his heavenly wife or wives, depending on who you read, in a pre-existence where all men were spiritually formed, me and you and women, which makes Jesus a created spiritual brother. Mormonism teaches that Jesus is the literal son of God on earth, sired by God the Father in the flesh like any other human being is sired by their father and mother, and that this... Uh, and that man is saved by a combination of his shed blood and the works that they do, and that once you have received that, you can ultimately become a god. Uh, is this enough of the real Jesus to be a Christian? If so, if this is so in your mind, let me say this. Take the Bible and throw it out the window, if you believe that, because all of those things are counter to what it says, true Christ, true Christianity, is. Uh, I'm not hateful. I understand that there's diversity, and I do not mind people who say, I embrace Brahmin. I am a Hindu. I hang out with people of all religions. I hang out with people of all persuasions, which many Christians say you shouldn't. I don't care about that. But I do care if any of them say, well, I'm acceptable to God. I'm a Christian too. And if what they believe is counter to that, we have to stand up and say that's not true. We're not doing anyone a service to just agree in order to be agreeable. We have to use the Bible as our guide to see what is Christianity. And with that, let's have a prayer. Dear Lord, we pray for your spirit. We thank you for the program. We thank you for our volunteers, for our staff, for the technical difficulties that you're fixing as we speak. We pray for our audience, whether they're here in-house or out there in the world somewhere, and uh, that you will speak and let the things that I say, which are incorrect and uh, faulty, to just uh, die. So we love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, tonight we continue on with part three of the role of racism in Mormonism. In part one, we talked about the origins of racism in Mormonism, and that was in Scripture. In part two, we talked about how those Scriptures... Uh, grew to flat-out racist ideas and ideals within the LDS Church, especially among the leaders, for 150 years between 1838 and 1978. Now, let me comment here and put another little thing in fair light. I understand racism. Um, I don't like it, but I have made racist comments and I have told racist jokes in my life. Uh, we mock what we don't understand, and I get this in, as part of the fallen human nature. I think that most fallen men and women are racist by nature, to be honest. I see a bumper sticker on a certain car here in Salt Lake, and it says, nobody's born a bigot. 
and I would disagree with that completely. I think our natural selves automatically put our type and our group up as superior and look down on anyone who is different. It's a natural thing, at least in some way. Some people are, are more gentle and some people are not. I think Satan loves racism and bigotry and hatred. And so I'm not so dumb to think that it does not exist in the hearts of people, even Christian people today. But here's the problem with racism in Mormonism. They laid it all on God's shoulders. They created a doctrinal position for it and they made God responsible uh, for their attitudes when God was the creator of all colors and cultures. This is a very different matter than a single individual or a single Latter-day Saint or Christian who has racist ideas. And this is why we are covering the matter today. LDS scriptures, prophets, and apostles, their most trusted men in the religion were not only racist, they taught racist doctrines and beliefs, they practiced it as a religion, as God's only true religion, and they said it was authored by him. Now, cross-reference this with James 1.13. That's gonna come up on the screen. Listen to this verse. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Neither tempteth he any man. So, in light of that passage and the LDS explanation of their racist views, we have to, one, either believe racism is not evil, and God's the author of it, or... God can do evil, which is contrary to James 1.13, or believe that Mormonisms did the evil and the prophets and apostles have actually have the audacity to blame God for it. I would have to tell you the answer is C, the latter, that the LDS, they had their own racist ideas of men conjured up and they blamed God for it. And in fact, one of the most popular LDS writers in the 1960s, uh, his name was a guy named John Stewart. He chose to actually throw down on God for Mormonism's position on uh, racism than to let the church take the blame. In a book called The Glory of Mormonism, written in 1963, Brother Stewart said, listen, I quote, when God allows a spirit to take a Negroid body, do you suppose he is unaware of the fact that he will suffer a social stigma? Therefore, if you say that this church is unjust in not allowing the Negro to bear the priesthood, you must, to be consistent, likewise say that God is even more unjust in giving him a black skin in the first place. It's a freaking amazing. Now, John Stewart, I know the LDS are saying, was not an official spokesman for the church. Well, how about Joseph Fielding Smith, a prophet, who said, quote, it is not the authorities of the church who have placed a restriction on him regarding the holding of the priesthood, meaning a black man. It was the Lord, end quote. Okay, that's from the prophet. Nice one there, JSF. In any case, the bottom line was this. If you were a color of skin other than white, you were considered inferior in one way or another for the first 138 years of Mormonism. Now remember, with all these racist ideas, it wasn't just about being banned from the priesthood. It meant being banned from eternal life, uh, being exalted, and it meant being uh, banned to interracial marriages. 
There is no mixing the vanilla and the chocolate in the Ward ice cream socials because God was a racist, not the church, never the church. Well, things started changing at the hands of some less racist-minded leaders. At first, these changes were frankly quite humorous. They were pathetic. But they did lead to some early signs of hope within Mormonism. In an article written by Apostle Spencer W. Kimball and published by the LDS Church magazine, The Improvement Era in 1960, the leader said he witnessed some remarkable things in the skin tone changes of the Lamanites or the Indians. In the article, Apostle Kimball described how he was witnessing firsthand the progress and growth of the, growth of the native Indians living on a reservation he had frequented for several decades, wrote Apostle Kimball. I saw a striking contrast in the progress of the Indian people today as against that of only 15 years ago. Truly, the scales of darkness are falling from their eyes, and they are fast becoming a white and delightsome people. After hailing all the growth and accomplishments of these reservation Indians, Apostle Kimball again referenced the Book of Mormon verbiage saying, quote, the day of the Lamanite is nigh. For years they have been growing delightsome and they are now becoming white and delightsome as they were promised. Then he spoke of a photograph of Indian missionaries that he had in his possession. He said, in this picture of the 20 Lamanite missionaries, 15 of the 20 were light as Anglos. Five were darker, but equally delightsome. Now, in the 1960s and 70s, there was a drive by the LDS to take Indian children from the reservation and place them in LDS homes so as to assimilate them into Mormon white culture. And they called this the Home Placement Program. In this article, Apostle Kimball referred to those who were in the program and said, quote, the children in the Home Placement Program in Utah are often lighter than their brothers and sisters in the Hogan's on the reservation. Can you believe this, Schnitt? I mean, and this is a proclaimed God, uh, apostle of the Lord who goes on and on and on. Well, this was 1960. I was born in 1961. And I cut my religious teeth on this junk. I trusted my leaders. I heard the jokes. I learned to mock. And I believe they really were apostles and prophets of the Lord Jesus Christ who refused to allow black people to go and return to God. And for the first 17 years of my existence prior to 1978, I believe that God was the author of this racism. Now, as a Christian, I can read the Bible passages like Romans 2.11, where it says, For there is no respect of persons with God. And 1 Corinthians 12.13 that says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made to drink into one spirit. Galatians 3.28 says, Neither there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And these were, words were written around 56 AD after Jesus came and went. Joseph Smith said, who cares what the Bible says? I'm going to make restrictions again. Now listen to this verse in Colossians 3.11. It's phenomenal. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew circumcision nor uncircumcision, listen, he says, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, 
but Christ is all and in all, okay? Now, when it says there barbarians, uh, the word is used in scripture. It's a Greek word and it sounds like babbling, barbara, it's the way they say it. And it, it, what it meant was anyone who did not speak the Greek language. So they were saying anybody who speaks a different language is free to it. And, uh, and then when it says Scythians, this was a name given to people who, that, and it was synonymous. Scythians was a general word for the most savage and untamed human peoples on earth. So again, meaning that here, even the most ferocious and uncivilized people were not excluded from the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They had the privilege of all others, all right? When Jesus died, the veil was ripped in two. Uh, it was the fullness of the gospel was open to all, not any specific group any longer. The question that looms over Mormonism is why and how so many people have allowed these men to, enter, to infect them with racist ideas, claim they were from God, and then how Mormonism continues in this day and age of racial tolerance to grow. It, it blows my mind. Someone, some LDS person, throw me a lifeline, please. Call and explain to me how this fits today. I mean, were the LDS leaders right or were they wrong? Tell me, was skin color or is skin color indicative of a person's righteousness? Please call, tell us. Could skin color change if someone's righteousness improved? Would they get lighter? And if they became more evil, would they become darker? Are all non-whites races and cultures inferior because of some pre-existent failures on a people's part? Please tell us why. In a 1966, Pulitzer Prize winning uh, writer, journalist, his name was uh, Wallace Turner. He wrote a book called The Mormon Establishment. And in it, he said, quote, the most serious problem facing the LDS church today is the Negro question. He went on to say that as long as Mormonism practiced racism, it would be a political and social cancer. It goes without saying that the 1960s brought uh, with it a culture seeking more tolerance. The civil rights movement was underfoot, but Mormonism boosted by its leadership uh, that bled racist ideology uh, was apathetic to the national cause. This writer Turner accused the Mormons of, quote, indifference and attention towards civil rights movement and pointed out the smug satisfaction that existed among the Latter-day Saints because so few Negroes lived in areas of the country where they lived, end quote. Right about this time, Mormonism got a new leader. His name was David O. McKay, who, according to LDS sociologist Armin Moss, quote, was different from pastoral authorities in that he was remarkably free of traditional notions about marks, curses, and the like, end quote. As quoted in Gottlieb and Wiley's book, American Saints, uh, McKay went so far as to even say, quote, sometime in God's eternal plan, the Negro will be given the right to hold the priesthood, end quote. And while many LDS thought that David O. McKay would be the prophet to usher in and give the blacks uh, the priesthood, uh, he had surrounding him frothing LDS racists like Ezra Taft Benson, Joseph Fielding Smith, and Harold B. Lee, all of whom would become a prophet once McKay passed away. I don't think it would be uh, fair to discuss the role of racism in Mormonism without mentioning the courage and valor of one LDS young man uh, his name was Stephen Holbrook. You've probably never heard of him. While serving his LDS mission in 1963, Holbrook was taken aside and told, quote, not to work with the poor and to tell the blacks that they should attend the church of their choice, 
just not the Mormon church. I remember my older brother coming home from his mission from Boston, Massachusetts, and telling me the same thing was told to him. This made Holbrook sick inside, and he listened to his consciousness over his desire to belong to the group, and he returned to Utah early and began working for the NAACP, which was staging demonstrations in Utah against the LDS doctrines of non-white inferiority. The NAACP also argued that the church's policies fostered prejudice because they taught that, quote, Negroes deserve to be the subject of disadvantaged living conditions while living here on earth. Hats off to Stephen Holbrook for his fearless courage to stand up to the giant. But if people like Stephen Holbrook didn't challenge them, I would suggest that the racism and all of it would still exist today. I want to know where the Stephen Holbrooks are uh, within Mormonism now. Where are those who will stand up against the racist doctrines on skin tones that still exist in their scripture? Where are the Stephen Holbrooks who will stand up against Doctrine and Covenants 132 and say, take the fricker out? We're not going to belong to this church. I'm not paying my tithing as long as you have this crud in, in, in front of me. Where are the Stephen Holbrooks who will courageously say, as someone who loves Jesus, I don't want to see a book called The Pearl of Great Price, The Book of Mormon, The Doctrine and Covenants in front of my face anymore. Where's the Bible? Why don't we talk about Jesus in sacrament meaning? Why don't we admit that we're sinners? Why don't we say he's the only way? Where are the Stephen Holbrooks today who aren't afraid to stand out? Where are you? How can you sit there if you're LDS and watch this program and hear the facts week in, week out, week in, and then go back and, oh, hail to the prophet. What's wrong with you? Where's your brain? Where's your consciousness? Where do you think you're going to, what are you going to do when you die and you stand before Jesus? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think it's just like this Disney game? That it's all fun? I mean, come on, he died for a reason. His blood for a reason. Stand up. Once the LDS <laughs> racist Joseph Fielding Smith and Harold B. Lee died, the Apostle Spencer W. Kimball, the guy who wrote the garbage about the Indians getting whiter, became the new LDS prophet, seer, and revelator. And while Kimball was responsible for writing one of the most horrific books ever written in Mormon history called The Miracle of Forgiveness, which in my opinion made gaining forgiveness as a Mormon impossible, uh, he did have the foresight to see the need for change in the church relative to blacks. You see, when the survival of Mormonism is threatened, revelations come. It was this... In, it was this way that the revelation came for polygamy to end it. And it was this way that Kimball received the revelation in 1978. What prefaced it? Very subtle things at first. Let me tell you quickly what they are before we go to the phones. A BYU basketball game was interrupted by protesters regarding the LDS policy against blacks. Then a riot erupted at the University of Wyoming when black athletes wore armbands uh, protesting BYU's presence there on campus. Then Stanford University and the University of Washington boycotted all sporting events that involved BYU. You challenge their sports and boy, revelations come. Amazing. 
Then the NAACP asked third world countries to deny visas to LDS missionaries until the black doctrine was repealed. Finally, discrimination charges were filed against the LDS church because it allowed white boys to be patrol leaders in their scouting uh, groups, but refused to allow black boys to be the same. All of this mounted on the mind of Kimball, but the biggie was when LDS Apostle LeGrand Richards came to uh, uh, Kimball and with a problem. In 1974, the Mormon church built a temple, started to build a temple in Brazil. And the, the idea was nobody with one drop of black blood can have the priesthood or enter into the temple. Not one drop. Well, down in Brazil, they couldn't tell what their blood was, but they knew there were some drops in there that were black. And, and, and LeGrand Richards, in a paper that is uh, proven and written and available, LeGrand Richards' apostle goes to, goes to uh, 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 Kimball and says, if we don't char uh, change this stuff, these people can't get in and use it once they've got it. And they're the ones whose tithing and volunteer time to build that temple has put it up. So they were at, a, at an impasse of enormous magnitude, enormous social pressure, and guess what happened? <laughs> Revelation, baby! The Bucks can have the priesthood! BYU, play Stanford again, and la-da-la-la-la-da. And as I think it was back in June of 1978, I think black men could receive the LDS priesthood, which meant they could enter the temple, which meant they got to go to heaven now. I wouldn't all of this been so much easier had Mormonism just accepted the completed finished work of Jesus. I mean, wouldn't it have just been so much easier? Let's open up the phone lines 801-973-8820 801-973-TV20. We're going to take a minute and explain something about our partner's plan as well as some other information that you're going to need to know. While we're doing that, while we're setting that up, oh, really quickly, um, this is from a Kuwait newspaper, and uh, let me show that to you. I didn't tell our producer, our director, we're doing this, but it says uh, local Latter-day Saint representative feels at home within the Kuwaiti society. Now, the Kuwaiti society is Muslim. And, and, it, and this, I'm just showing you about how we're having this ecumenical come together in the world with one world religion. And it quote here, it says, from a Christian, our needs are met from a Mormon. Our needs are met here. I feel welcomed. I work, I'm treated good or better than anywhere else. The ethics is similar with what I believe, so I do not feel out of place. The article goes on from this paper to say, this Latter-day Saint says, our religions are so very similar. We have so much in common with each other. And we did a show three weeks ago about that. And it says, um, and it goes on, the LDS uh, person who was interviewed goes on to say how Muslims like the LDS have been persecuted for their faith for so many centuries. And they also share in this um, burden of, of belief. So more ecumenism, more coming together, more of a humanist approach. Okay, uh, we're going to come back, go to Andrea in Taylorsville, Tony in South Dakota, and uh, let's run those spots now. Many things live in our city. But this Christmas, hope lives here.
Hi, I'm Sean McCraney with Alathea Ministry, producer of Heart of the Matter. We exist solely on the support of those who appreciate our efforts at reaching others with the saving message from Jesus Christ. We want to invite you, if you're so inclined, to come alongside with us, partner with us financially. Now, all uh, support and prayers are greatly appreciated, but Heart of the Matter Partners, or HOTM Partners, has been carefully designed to supply support for Aletheia Ministries' long-term sustainability without burdening individuals too much. On your screen is an address. You can write to partners there, ask information, whatever you want to do, we'll send you a brochure. Also, if you're interested, you can check us out at www.hotm.tv. Additionally, you can call us, 1-888-868-4686. All prayers, all support are appreciated. God bless you. See you Tuesdays. Mm, good stuff. Yeah. Hey, um, why don't we go to Tony from South Dakota, a first-time caller. Tony, you're on Heart of the Matter. Tony? Yes, I'm here. Hey, you're on the air. Well, hey, how you doing? Doing well. Good, good. Well, hey, I just got to say, I am a baptized Lutheran, you know, so I'm very orthodox. But I have to say your approach to the LDS and other religions is a bit disrespectful. Yeah. I do have to say that. And I mean no disrespect, but you, you preach on things like polygamy and racism and murder and all these things where the Bible itself preaches the exact same thing. I mean, God himself has, on numerous occasions, you know, told to murder and to kill. He has commanded prophets to accept multiple wives. I mean, the 12 tribes of Jacob. What, what Bible are you reading from, from, Tony? I'm sorry? What Bible are you reading from? You show me Just where hearing. God commanded any prophet to, to practice polygamy. Okay, hang on. I can find that for you. No, you can't find it, so don't even pretend to try. We'll, we'll waste air time. I've done this long enough to know it's not there. Look at you're are you sure you're a Lutheran? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Well, it's tough to know sometimes, but it sounds like you're defending, you're defending the LDS practice of polygamy, of murder, of uh, uh, blood atonement. Are you defending these practices as a Lutheran? No, not at all. What are you saying then? That I'm just disrespectful in my delivery? No, and I, as I said, I meant no disrespect. I know, but what are I'm you saying? Simply... What is wrong? Then what are you trying? What point are you making here uh, in, in bringing these things up? Okay. Um, are, are not the 12 tribes of, of Israel from Jacob and his two wives and concubines? Okay, so what? That would be two wives and two concubines. So not only do we have polygamy, but we have a form of slavery which you uh, uh, have said is against the Bible, but yet we've seen that the whole basis of the Judeo-Christian religion is based on things, and I'm not Mormon. I, mean, I don't justify What's your point, though? By what, any means. I'm asking, are you, first of all, what you read is not evidence of God commanding polygamy. So that is called a red herring when it comes to argument. But what is your basic point then? What are you trying to make as a Lutheran? What are you trying to tell me as someone who's supposed to be my Christian brother? I am your Christian brother. Most, I know, but what are you truly. trying to tell me? My, my, what I'm trying to say is that even though that the Mormons may live in ignorance, we cannot attack them. If we want to be brothers of the Lord, and, and that's what I try to be, 
we have to be objective, and we have to say, okay, yes, this was part of the Bible. Yes, okay, I, okay. said a slave should mind his, his, uh, should mind his master. I think, I think you're... we have to acknowledge, but we have to be respectful. We can't just say, oh, you're wrong, and he's false prophet. I mean, you're talking about a church that's 10 million strong. This you are not, you are, you know what you are? You are a liar, I think. I think you're a liar. It's my opinion that you are a deceptive person. Because you talk the language of someone who's defending a faith that is categorically unbiblical. Your arguments speak as though you're Mormon, but you're saying you're Lutheran. And I can't prove it. This is the problem with a call-in show. All I can do is I have two ears and I can listen to what you say. And what you say tells me you're full of it. So I, I'm not going to continue on. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. God forgive me. We go forward. Uh, we're going to go to Richard in Salt Lake City. Richard, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello. Hi, Richard. Hi, how you doing? Good, man. You have to turn your TV down. Okay. Is this Sean? It happens to be. Oh, I can't hardly hear you. Can you speak up a little bit? Yes, Richard. <laughs> I just want to get a word in edgewise here. I'm just trying to figure out where do all these uh, polygamist... Uh, uh, you know, racist, uh, evil Mormons go. What what happens to them? Is there anywhere that uh, any scriptural references or anything that you've uh, thought through? Is there a special place that they end up for all of this evil they're per perpetrating on the earth, or what? You know, I mean, do they go to the same place as Christians, or do they go to hell, or where do they go? Well, uh, Richard. Since our ministry began six years ago, I have never thought it was my duty, job, or I had any liberty to ever say anybody is going to heaven or hell. The yeah. only thing, and so the, but the reason I do what I do is because I was LDS for 40 years, and, uh -huh. and, and these doctrines, they enslave people, and they, yeah. they, they make them beholden to a false teaching. Where they yeah. individually go, I could not say. Many do understand Jesus probably better than I do. So I'm not... Do you, I'm know, not, do you know anyone today, uh, in actuality, as a practical matter, in the Mormon church that would stand up in the middle of church and say, I believe the Negro is inferior, or I believe we should uh, uh, start practicing polygamy again? Okay, let me tell you this story. It's the best I can do in answering that. In 2002, I lived in Park City, Utah, the Jeremy Ranch Ward. I went into Elders Quorum, sat down, and the teacher stood up from a very nice area. He was not backwooded. He, could, he couldn't eat corn through a picket fence. And he stood up and he said, The problem in the world today is the coloreds and the gays. Yeah. Now, you tell me. You just asked well, me a question. That now, was seven years ago in Park City, Utah. Didn't and, you and, have a duty? Didn't you have a duty to say, "I don't care what forum this is, that's racism and prejudice, and uh, you've got to be confronted on that." Okay, I mean, okay, then, Richard. Let me ask you this: Your response is wonderful. What about yeah. when I open the Book of Mormon and 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 I read from the writings of your prophets of old, and that talk about how the race? And we're talking about as late as 2004. I mean, uh, uh, yeah. 2004, 
How is it that your prophets and people will say that race and cultural position on this world is based on pre-existent righteousness? And how is it that you have scripture in your Book of Mormon that still talks about the color of skin changing based on righteousness? Why is yeah, that? Yeah, well, I don't know. If, you know, I don't know if there are any. No, I'm no, married. wait. There are. Answer well, the question. Yeah. I'm married to a Colombian, and uh, well, good for I you, don't... Richard. But give me the answer for the church. Well, I think it's a mistake. Okay. So, would you stand up in sacrament meeting and say we should get these verses removed from the Book of Mormon because they are racist in nature? I'd probably look at it like that movie I saw about the Catholic oh, Church uh, last night. Uh, they were uh, trying to repress or suppress uh, science and killed all the Illuminati and all of that. Uh, I'd probably look at every church. Now, the so-called Christian... This uh, is spin, Richard. You're not answering the question. I've given you that? facts here. Richard, I've given you facts. It's in your scripture. It's racist. You have a racist history. This stuff has not been apologized for. It's still in the hearts of anybody who grew up in the church who's older than 35 or 40. And you're just sitting here spinning in order to try to make it seem right. Well, I'm I sorry, can't my go friend. Out tonight. I'm laying in bed. I just, you know, my underwear. All right, buddy. We're go. wasting time now. I, I gotta let out. you go. I can't run out with, with Thanks, Holbrook. Richard. God bless you. Bye bye. We're going to Danny in Salt Lake City on line two. Danny, you're on Heart of the Matter. Danny? I'm on the phone right now and oh, waiting. God. And he's, gonna, he's, he's, he's answering callers. Danny? And hopefully he'll get to me. And if he does, then Grandpa's going to ask a question. And you're going to hear my voice on television. No. Danny's smoking. He is smoking the ganj. I know it. I'm going to turn, turn this on this television because I have to turn this one down. This is entertaining. Danny. Yes. You're on the air, dude. I'm on the air right now? You are. Really? Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not seeing that on television. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay, Danny. What's happening? Okay. Uh, basically, is uh, first off, I remember reading a long time ago, back in 1978, when, when uh, Spencer W. Campbell accepted or had the so-called revelation and allowed the blacks to continue to receive the priesthood? Yeah. I remember that back in uh, when Brigham Young, Brigham Young basically made a comment, and I, I, can't remember, I can't remember where it's written or where it's documented, but he made a comment that Brigham Young basically said, basically said that... Uh, if the blacks ever received the priesthood, that the curse of Cain would fall upon the Mormon church. Yeah, I, I have that quote somewhere. That's, it's a quote that's very close to what he said. You're right. He also said that, that uh, the, the curse of Cain, the blacks receiving the priesthood, would not happen if it did happen until uh, after the resurrection. So uh, there's, those are prophetic utterances, but they have answers for that. But you're right, you're right on. Those statements were made. Go to www.utlm.org if you want to find out the exact origin of those. Okay, I can right now get a spare to hear you. But the other thing is an answer to our Lutheran brethren that was just on. Yeah. And basically, if he reads the Pearl Great Price in the first vision... Joseph Smith, with one sweep of the pen, attacked the Christian church. Yeah. 
all that we're doing and what you're doing is answering the attack that Joseph Smith made against the church. Amen. And he's thinking that we are attacking the LDS church. All we're doing is defending the faith that was once and for all delivered under the saints, according to the scriptures. You're right, Dan. That's a really good point. We have to answer these attacks. Very good point. And that's what you're doing, is you are answering the attacks. And I hope this Lutheran brother will really investigate and read the Pearl Great Price right in the back. The Pearl Great Price is, the, is, the, is documented evidence that Joseph Smith attacked the Christian church. Yeah. And I think this is, this is a good point to make to all Christian people that needs to really look at uh, what you're doing on this program. And I really appreciate what you're doing. Thanks, Danny. Great comment. I really appreciate it. God bless. Okay, God bless. Okay, bye-bye. You know, <clears throat> he brings up a great point. Because they drew first blood. They said that God called all Christian denominations an abomination. They drew near with their lips, but their hearts were far from them. And then it's not only that. We have, we've covered shows on this. We have volumes, not volumes, that's an exaggeration, but we have quite a few uh, quotes of just how pathetic, how evil, how dark, how rotten the Christian church is by noted LDS authorities throughout the ages. It's only been in the past 25 years that they've wanted to belong to Christianity. Why? I always suggest, it's my opinion, they want to put a Mormon in office. And they're not going to get the right-wing evangelical vote unless they get to people to believe they're Christian. They're never going to put Mitt Romney and his temple rights in the Oval Office until they're able to do that. So it's a strategy, always have been for world power. Additionally, that Lutheran caller, if that's what he was, uh, he failed to uh, mention that the LDS missionaries are knocking on doors, 60,000 strong in the world right now, and they're telling everybody who will listen to them, well, your church is really nice, it's it's very nice place to go, but you can't go to heaven if you believe everything they teach you. you got to believe what we say. Your church is, in fact, wrong. We're the only true church on the face of the earth. That's a, a, a t an attack right there. So, Danny, thanks for bringing that out. It's a great point. We're going to Andrea in Taylorsville. Andrea, you're on Heart of the Matter. How are you, Sean? Good. How you doing? Good. Um, first of all, I just want to say that I really appreciate you doing this part about racism because this is one of the reasons why I left Mormonism is oh. because I have questions about this. Um, but my first question for you is, what are your opinions about homosexuality? Like, are they accepted? Like, is it accepted by God or, like, that kind of stuff? Andrew, it's a great question, especially in this day and age. So let me put it to you how, what I think. Uh, and I'm going to say it flat out, straight out, as it is, no, nothing held back. Homosexuality is a sin. The, okay. the actions of homosexuality is an absolute sin in God's eyes. Okay. So is lying. So is gossip. So is everything that I'm guilty of, of having done in my life. Um, so the homosexual act is no different in the spectrum of sin. Somehow the Christian community has come to use homosexuals as the whipping boy for all sin. They're the social pariah. Now, there's a reason for that. And it's because homosexuals have an urgent political need to make homosexuality okay. Now, if an adulterer or a liar or a thief isn't going to say, thieving's okay, adultery's okay. But the homosexual will say, the Bible's wrong, homosexuality is okay. And this has gotten the ire up of the Christian community. 
However, I just, I mean, if homosexuals came out and they said, you know, I'm a homosexual and, and I like men or I like women and I can't help it, but I have this nature within me that wants that. I think the Christian community would say, well, let's try to help you with that with your sin. Let's go to Jesus and see what he can do for you. But that's not how it's been because of this battle and that's why it's so ugly. One final thing, homosexuals should get their butts in church. They should go to church like adulterers go to church and liars go to church and drunkards go to church. Homosexuals they go to church if they're not accepted by God. What's that? And isn't, and isn't that the same thing when you said that God does no evil where he doesn't, he doesn't accept, like he accepts people of all races because he needs them. Doesn't he make homosexuals just as much as he makes heterosexuals or he doesn't, he doesn't hate or... homosexuals. He loves homosexuals completely. Yeah, it's, it's, he just he doesn't love them, sin. Right? What's that? But you said that he won't accept them. That it's, I mean, it's a sin. I mean, he accepts adulterers. I mean, so of course he probably accepts homosexuals. No, no, no. But Andrew, but... You're, you're making a kind of a, a, a crossover. You're mixing something here in your logic. It okay. isn't homosexuality that keeps a homosexual from living with God. It is their lack of receiving Jesus as their Savior, Lord, and King. It, it, it's not the homosexuality. Now, this is a radical statement to some Christians' minds, but if they don't get that, they need to read the Bible. Because but they it's can't their... do that if they're homosexuals, right? Like, officially, they can't do that. Is that right? Wait, say it one more time. Slower. Like, if, if they're homosexual, like, if, let's say, so-and-so is homosexual, can they truly accept Christ into their life for, I mean, with them being homosexual? Yes, absolutely. Just like... So, a just like a drunk can, just like an so adulterer can. So my friend who's homosexual loves God and accepts him in her life. Okay, wait. But wait, wait, wait. not allowed to... Wait, wait, wait. I, I have to stop you for a second, Andrea. You say your okay. friend loves God. That's a, huge, yeah. that's a huge open term today. All right. Okay. Does your friend say, I need Jesus to save me in my sin? But they don't see their homosexuality as a sin, and you're saying that it is a sin. Okay, yeah, and so herein is, lies one part of the problem. If a, an adulterer said, I want Jesus to accept me, but I'm going to commit adultery as long as I want because it's not a sin, we would have a problem there too. It's mm -hmm. the humility and the receiving Jesus, not just this vacuous God figure, but has Jesus, who came and gave himself for the homosexual, has, have they received Jesus as their Lord and Savior? That's the question. And what happens is in our culture today, they'll say things like, I love God, I receive God, I believe in God. But when you come to the Jesus thing, they will turn from, not they as a people, but people, of all people, will turn from that if it doesn't fit what they want to do with their life. So it's not the fact that they're gay that will send them to hell. It's the fact that they will not receive Jesus as the solution and savior to their gayness. Okay. Does that help? Yeah, I guess it's kind of like a personal opinion. Like, you have to see it as either it's a choice or it's the way you were born, what, right? Apply any sin, you take the homosexual, because we can't back off as Bible-believing people that it's a sin. If we do, take the book and throw it away. So we yeah. have to say, well, it's a sin. When you give, if you say it's not, then what you're doing is you're lying. So we say it's a sin, but so is everybody else on this earth. What's your solution? Jesus. How do you get him? You receive him by asking him into your life and believing in him. What can I do? I go to church. Can I read the Bible? Yes, but I'm gay. Read the Bible. So what? You're also a liar probably. You know? Yeah. yeah. Does that help? That helps a lot. Thanks so much, Sean.
Hey, okay, take care, Andrea. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you guys have recognized by now, if you've watched the show, that when I speak, I'm like an Italian. I'm like this and like this, but it's not anger. You'll know when I'm angry. That does happen. But when I'm like this, that's just trying to, to help people to understand. And uh, let's go to Zoe in Ogden, first-time caller. Zoe, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how's it going? Good, how are you? Pretty good. This is Dewan. We talked last week. I was the guy talking about uh, you have to take an SAT test to be eligible to go to the temple. Yeah, how you doing, man? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm watching your show right now, and you were talking about uh, African-Americans not being able to hold a priesthood in the LDS, and I'm African-American myself. Prior to 1978, yes. Right. Now, I, I live here in Utah, in Ogden, and uh, I watch, when I'm watching TV, I always see this commercial, and they have this one ex-basketball player that's African-American, and they, like, use him as the face of the LDS to try to get African-Americans to join the church. Now, my question is, if they didn't want us to hold the priesthood, why do they so often take trips and build temples and churches in Africa and bring Africans to America. They didn't do that until 78. Prior to 78, they taught the missionaries, as we said tonight, not to even teach the, uh, the black people. And, and for the missionaries, if a black person was interested, to find another church. They only started reaching out to uh, African-Americans um, uh, after 1978. Uh-huh. And, you know, and then they'll take people like Thurl Bailey and uh, Gladys Knight and people who are black and who have joined the church, and they'll herald them up and put them on everything to show that now they're, they're loving. 135 years of racist bigotry and hatred in the hearts of all those people who died with that, and now everything's good because they want to be accepted in the world. Right, and you would think that these African-Americans would at least do research or check up on the history of these religions before they actually join them. Wouldn't you but think that? I mean, wouldn't you think Gladys Knight would get on the Internet and go to utlm.org or Thurl Bailey would, would read something? I mean, what, do, what are they doing? How could they do that? All their ancestors were considered inferior, that they lived an inferior life and deserved their place eating roots in Africa because they sinned against God in the pre-existence. It's amazing that black people joined the Mormon church. But it shows you what PR and commercials and power can do. Right, right. And, and what I seem to notice is when you get these guys calling your show and, and you ask them a question and instead of them actually giving you a straight-up answer, they just beat around it like they don't know the truth. Yeah, they don't. And so they beat around it. And they're, and they're trying to defend a faith that they have lived their life for. And I have a heart for that. It's so hard to get out once you've been in like that. But we have to try to get them to think and open up their minds and hearts to the idea of Jesus and being born again. Dewan, thanks so much, my friend. Right. Take oh, care. Thanks. thanks, Sean. I appreciate Did he fade away? Or am I having a stroke? Uh, <laughs> Let's go to let's go to Zoe in Ogden. Zoe, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi there. Can you hear me? I can. Oh, great. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Hey, I've watched your program, I don't know, three or four times now, and my husband and I have no religion. We grew up with no religion, so we're searching. And over the years, we've gone to different churches with friends, but nothing really seemed to fit. So maybe we're going about it the wrong way now, but we watch T 
TV. <laughs> we watch a lot of the uh, TV ministry shows. Uh-huh. Are you talking? I'm sorry. What did she say? I can't hear you. No, no, that's my breathing. Little, little ass, I'm not talking. Okay, sorry. I thought you were trying to talk and I couldn't hear you. <laughs> anyway, so we watch different shows now. <clears throat> Excuse me. And one that we really like is Joel Osteen. I don't know if you've heard of him. I think he's just a Christian. I'm not sure what church he goes to. Yeah. But anyway, all the ministry shows that we watch, they all seem to have a message, a positive message to boot. And I'm just wondering what your message is. It seems like you're just <laughs> attacking on one particular rubric. And don't you think you would be more productive if you had a positive, uplifting message? I mean, I'm wondering what your church is like um, just from watching you on TV. I well, mean, what let do you me tell you, Zoe. Do you have a message? Yeah, Zoe, we have two and a half minutes, so give me a, a minute to respond to that so people okay. can understand. Okay, okay. All right. Uh, this is a, a television program in the Mecca of Mormonism to reach LDS people. And as far as effectiveness, it's very effective in getting them okay. to... To, to understand the problem with the, the faith they're in. Now, I come from a background of being LDS, so I understand, and so I speak their language, in, in, so to speak. So and, and our purpose is to get them to see that religion does not save you. It's a relationship with Christ. Now, okay, so it's not for everybody. You're just targeting Mormons? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's primarily for oh. Latter-day Saints and Christians wanting to learn about Mormonism. Now, let me say one more thing. Okay. Um, Zoe... When we do offer a very biblical message, do you know what the LDS do? They call up no. and say, we believe all those things. We're so, we're so much alike. We all agree. And they, because they want to belong and they want to belong. But you know what? They're a cult. And I don't use that word ever. But they are a cult that take people and trap them. And they trap their money and they trap their lives and they tie them up in, in white clothes and put them in temples. And it is a horrible thing to do to a human being. And so we fight against that. Now, when I preach, I, I teach on Sundays, we teach the Bible. I've had a show before on here where all we do is teach the Bible. But in this program, it's to reach LDS and get them to open up the indoctrinational can and see what's inside. Does that help at all? We have 50 seconds left. Okay, can I ask you, what was it that made you change? You said you were a Mormon for 40 years, and I'm like, it must have been something pretty severe to make you go so far to the other side. It was. It was. And we, I have a book, and if you will stay on the line, our operator will get your uh, address, and I'll send you the book. And you can read just the one section called Rebirth, and it tells the story of exactly what happened, and it might help you understand what we're doing. Okay. You want to read it? Uh, sure. All right, yeah. stay on the line, uh, Zoe, and someone will get your uh, address, and we'll go from there. Okay, thanks, John. Thanks. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you. And God bless you. We hope that you will search Scripture. We hope you'll search your heart and see the sin you have, whatever it is, and go to God with it and say, look, I need help. Look at your condition and say, that's why Jesus came, to help you and love you. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter. Good job, audience. I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my, I'm gonna break my rusty cage and run. I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break my, gonna break my rusty cage and run. 
gonna break I'm gonna break my Gonna break my rusty cage 